0: Questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
1: Let me begin our first program of the decade by wishing you a very inspirational and blessed new year. May you always look into the positive side of life, to always be thankful for it, but always keeping in mind that no life is perfect, no person is perfect. And no year is perfect. And we must learn to embrace everything with its own good and bad. Mistakes and failures are temporary and inevitable. But you have to get back up and keep going. Your time is limited. So don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important... Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition happy new year to you
0: you are listening to veritas if this is your first time welcome home to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material join the veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com you can make your purchase with a credit card paypal cash check money order and even cryptocurrency we are now accepting bitcoin Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at VeritasRadio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas.
1: We begin with a great tradition. We bring in Jeff Hartman to decode the future 2020 edition. Jeff Harmon is a second-generation astrologer, spiritual consultant, an exorcist and property clearer with over 40 years of experience. He believes conscious self-awareness can lead us out of the matrix of our karmic past where the soul's journey is revealed in the ancient systems of classical Vedic and Kabbalistic astrology. And we have a more comprehensive bio at VeritasRadio.com. Jeff's website is Harmon.com. Jeff Harman us directly from or very near to Hollywood,
2: California.
1: Hello, Jeff, and welcome back to Veritas. Happy New Year.
2: Same to you, Melon. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. Jeff, this is going to be an interesting show because every time we've spoken during election years, you have nailed it on the head every time. And I think this year is going to be very interesting because of what's been happening in the past few months, or dare I say, the past few years. And again, folks, you know that I like to get away from politics but it's going to be unavoidable this year. Why don't we begin with what's on the tip of your sphere? Right now, you're probably getting flooded with people consulting with you and so on. What's the most popular topic that you discuss right now before we begin?
2: I'd have to say most people are interested in their own businesses, their own personal cycles and how they feel. It's interesting that I, I find they're not as worried about the political landscape as much as I would think that they would be. Um, I think there's always a commonality where people are worried about the world, worry about earth changes, stuff like that. But I find that it has been actually less about the politics because I think people – either hate Trump or they love Trump, there's very few in the middle, and the ones that are are getting pummeled by each side, uh, mainly the, uh, you know which side, I won't mention it. But uh, the, uh, that's more what I find, and and people are pretty much rooted in their belief or position, at least on on the political stuff. So I find a lot of people are more concerned about where their lives are going and their businesses are going.
1: The economy. Obviously, you get a lot of people asking and you in
2: the economy too. Yep, absolutely. about the
1: business, about their businesses and so on. So, in general,
2: exactly. uh, inter-
1: interrogation astrology, let's begin with the economy. I mean, this is the best economy I've ever seen in my lifetime. Now, some people may say, "Well, it's the Federal Reserve that keeps pumping billions into the markets." Where do you see the economy this year?
2: It looks like it's going to continue to keep going. I think it might slow a little bit, but overall, um, it's going to keep going. They're going to keep the uh, – I I think one of the most important things is what has been done the last few years. The fact that we have – reignited this country's industrial might even though it's changed with the the modernization of manufacturing and automation things are done differently now than they were 40 50 years ago and it's or 80 years ago and it's never going to change but i think the fact that the resources have been opened up and america has been back to business makes a lot of difference even though it's tight uh, I, a lot of people I talk to they 're very concerned they're they're very cautious they they feel in general that you know they don't want to splurge too much they they're they're more of a wait and see happen what happens kind of attitude, which is very typical of every election year every four years it's always like that
1: wait and see if it relates to who wins.
2: Yeah. um, I think a lot of people are concerned about who's going to win. I really have to say all the calculations that I can come up with, it really looks like Trump wins. In fact, um, I can't see anybody who's up against him winning. I I really can't. That was my next uh, question.
1: Who do you think the nominee for the Democratic Party will be? Because as of today, they're talking about Bernie Sanders being the one. Joe Biden has no chance, even though he's on top, but because of what's happening with the situation with Ukraine and his son Hunter, there's no chance well, that they're going to allow it. Th-
2: there is the wild card right there. And, and a lot of people, you know, I know there's a lot of people saying Guantanamo is going to be filled with all the the bad guys and all that. I don't get that that's going to happen, but I do get that what Barr and Durham are doing And Giuliani has far, far deeper reaches than everyone thinks. And you can actually see it on Biden's face. He knows it. Um, I hear that the moles have been digging around for quite a while on this, not just recently. The problem they're having is when you investigate the investigators, uh, everyone's going to cover their tracks or no one's going to. Come unglued and and give the goods away. It's kind of like being in the mob, you know. No one no one wants to betray anyone else. But I think that uh, this thing's going to come undone, like a bundle of sticks, and just end up on the floor. And it's going to be very interesting to see where this goes. And that' why I bring all that up is that's going to affect the election. That's why I I I made a joke. I think Trump's going to go through the Democratic Party. Faster than a freight train through a wet paper bag when it's all done and said. So if you hate him, too bad, get used to him. And if you love him, well, guess what? He's going to be around. That's what I see.
1: Speaking of Guantanamo, you mentioned that they put a lot of money into upgrading that facility in Cuba. And I've heard...
2: Yes, they did.
1: You know, I have a hard time believing, Jeff, that this is just for the average terrorist which leads me to the next question, and this is the question in most people's minds regarding the indictments, the arrests. It's been years where everybody knows that there's a bunch of criminals, and I don't even have to name the names. You can, you can imagine who they are. I mean, come on now, Hillary Comey, Brennan, you name it. Why haven't we seen something? Are we seeing something this year? And I, I'm not talking about promises that they're going to go to jail or people chanting you know, luck her up or look him up.
2: Right, right. Some real action finally, right? Right. Um, The chart indicates, yes. I would say that's likely to happen. I get about nine and a half time units on the chart. Um, We may see something as early as summer or fall. It could be sooner, but it seems to be about around there. Timing is hard to get. But I think the pieces are going to start to fall somewhere late spring, early summer into summer, and then – uh, I think by fall, it's going to be well underway. This, this is not going to be an easy task. I hope Durham and Barr and all the other agents are checking the brakes on their cars or, or looking for blinking lights underneath because um, it's, you're, this is some real, real deep stuff. And, you know, everyone talks about the Republican and the Democrats and the, <clears throat> the right and the left and all this. I think it's much, much deeper than that. And um, when you when you really look into this, it is a force that seems to undulate through society over millennia and when you know people don't realize what socialism and communism is really like until they actually witness it um, i've been blessed uh, you probably well maybe you haven't with with uh, being in cuba but i've been blessed not to witness it personally but i've I seen have, the many effects times. Of it. And I've had a lot of clients who've told me, oh, my God, it's just horrible. You know, you have no rights. You have no anything. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk later about the stuff, you know, you were mentioning to Camille about the Virginia governor and all the things they want to do. The, these forces that have been at work in this country for a lot, lot longer than just the last four years or 10 years, they, it was Eisenhower that had originally mentioned it. And he called it the the military-industrial complex. Of course, now it's nicknamed the swamp and the deep state. But what is it really? It's a force that really wants totalitarianism. And that is communism. It it really is. And and the problem I, I don't like is someday technology and the structures of society warrant that easier to be happening. You understand? As as time marches on, it may take 10, 20 years, but that's a grave danger we're always going to have is is keeping our own freedom. And I, I think as AI comes in and technologies blossom, uh, you, the only sovereign place you're going to have is between your ears. Yeah, this is definitely beyond Republican or Democrat because- wait, wait. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. I okay. hear you
1: right. It's beyond bipartisan, bipartisanship, if you will, because to me, Bush was a globalist, just like Clinton was, just like Obama was. To me, there was no really that much difference there, other than the label that, w- that we put them, and they're just selected. Uh, when it comes to Obama, when the economy crashed just before he took over, now, when you have the Federal Reserve, and this is a group of bankers, obviously, but they're more aligned with the globalists. Now, people, as you know, vote with their pockets, with their wallets. What tells us that the Federal Reserve might not pull something just before the election to hurt the chances of Trump winning? Do you see that?
2: They could, um, they, they could, but it it leans more towards No. Um, overall. It it leans more towards no. Um, I'm more worried about conflict and war, particularly in the Middle East. And that's been simmering for a long time. You know, this whole situation with Israel, you know, it's very mysterious. I don't claim to know no one I've ever spoken to. And I've actually got some clients who sat with Bernanke and even Greenspan and and Yellen. And um, they're In the legal field, I'll just say that. And they've been in in very high positions in banking and Federal Reserve type stuff. And it's so compartmentalized, no one, no one really knows. So these decisions that are being made are at very, very high levels. What the astrology says, and, and I've been talking to you about this, Mel, for probably the better part of a decade, is the... Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which is happening literally in 10 days from now. Today is, is uh, you know, r- r- right after the first. And, of course, we've got uh, on January 12th, Saturn, Pluto, Mercury, and the sun all join in a tight conjunction. So you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, that is really where freedom and fascism really clash. And these are trigger points. The last time this happened was in 1914. Well, it's not the last time it happened, but the last time it happened at the beginning of last century, well, it one. Off World War I. Yeah. That's right. Within weeks, it was, it was on. Now- we could talk about, many people have, how did World War I start and what was it really over with? You know, we know the story of Ferdinand and all that. But the bottom line is, it happened. And what was that whole cycle? See, Saturn and Pluto take about a 35 to 40-year 30, cycle. That's not exact, but somewhat close. So when it happened— we had World War I break out. Then we had the stock market crash. Wilson sold the country to the bankers. And then we had the Depression. Then we had World War II. And it the next conjunction was shortly after World War II ended. Then we had the Cold War. Then Korean War. Then the next time the conjunction happened was when communism fell Or you could say it didn't really fall, but at least the Soviet Union broke up. That's when it happened, about 1981-82, when Reagan had all that stuff going on with with Russia. And it's interesting because there's something in astrology called conjunctions, which is when two planets are aligned, and then you have squares, which is a 90-degree aspect, and then a 180 is an opposition, and then you have the final square. Well, this final cycle— it started with Reagan, of course, um, and and the whole communism thing falling. Tear down this wall. That's right. And then on the square, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I know the opposition was nine eleven, and the final square was the bank crash of two thousand eight nine with the housing market. So here we sit on the next conjunction. This is really an unprecedented time. And I think what makes this more powerful is because we have a 240-year Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in mundane astrology happening on the winter solstice of 2020. So we're going to see this entire year is going to be a front row seat To, I think, a lot of chaos. And I hope I'm wrong about that. But we could see, we're already seeing weather patterns that are bizarre. We're seeing freedom and fascism clashing. We're seeing volcanic activity, a lot more seismic activity, that's a frequency at least. Um, In fact, we just had a four-point I think 4.1 off the coast of Oxnard, just miles north of us, and then there was a 2.3 this morning in the Los Angeles area. So uh, those again aren't that aren't that large, but I'm I'm really concerned with the Pacific Rim and all the volcanic activity. All this is part, I think, in parcel due to the grand solar minimum and. Some of the very powerful alignments, like I'm mentioning, coming up. And um, it tends to mirror in the world. Um, the United States, and this is what's really interesting uh, the United States. Has a birth chart known as the Sibley chart, and it's named after Ebenezer Sibley. Ebenezer Sibley was the mystic, if you will, or a Masonic mystic who was apparently there who witnessed the time of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So, I, most astrologers use that. I've used it for many years, and I find it to be pretty darn reliable in, in terms of a birth chart for the United States. Well, here's what's interesting the United States. Not only do we have the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which has kicked off some major events. Even I went back to the 4th century and all the way forward to the Middle Ages. The Roman Empire fell kind of – it never really totally fell, but it fell officially on the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. I think it was in the 4th or 5th century. And um, I don't have the data right in front of me, but I was astounded at how – Much it marked points in history. Well, long story short, not only do we have this Saturn Pluto conjunction with Mercury and the Sun on the 12th of this month, but the United States chart itself is going through a Saturn Pluto conjunction, and Pluto conjuncts the birth chart of the United States next year three times. So it does, Saturn hits it three times this year. And Pluto hits it three times next year. So people might say, okay, great. What does that mean? Well, I would say, number one, the biggest thing it means is this is where you're going to see the forces of fascism and freedom even clash more. This is going to be insane. I I don't believe Trump is going to get – Removed from office, impeached, fine, but that's not going anywhere. It's DOA the minute it hits the Senate, and the charts show the same thing. I I don't think he's ever going to get removed from office, not a chance. I'll come back to the
1: Trump part and the possibility of war in the Middle East again, because that's happening as we speak. But just let me just address the earthquakes for a second. I know you've had earthquakes and tremors. for decades in California it's oh, just God. a known Never fact stops. There. Never but, stops. but in the past few days you have you've had a lot more than usual and also take the caribbean puerto rico is collocated next to the second deepest body of water on the planet and since 1984 they've had seven magnitude 4.5 quakes felt there three in the last 3 days volcanic activity red smoke coming out of Yellowstone that's never seen before. What's happening?
2: Well, I I think the grand solar minimum is another thing, too, that's happening. These are cycles. You know, everyone's telling us all the, you know, the cows farting and the SUVs are going to make the global, you know, situation intolerable and the ice caps are melting because of Carbon, you know, CO two. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it actually, think, I think it's the sun. The sun goes through these cycles where the sunspots actually go at a minimum. Hence, they call it the grand solar minimum, and um, it affects the magnetosphere all the way out to the edge of the solar system. You know, this is astronomy, and this has been recorded before. In fact, when the settlers first came here uh, with Jamestown and all that. They were freezing to death. The The temperatures were exceedingly bitter cold, even during the Revolutionary War. This was all at – a, at a, I forget the exact dates, but people can look it up. It's in the – uh, early to the late part of the 1700s, there was a major cooling period. And this uh, they've gone back and done soil sample testing, and apparently it's happened many times before. So we're, I think, in a cooling phase. Why, many of the scientists say, is the polar ice caps melting and the water coming up, that may be due to volcanic activity. And I'm sure you've heard, Mel, that the um, magnetics have been off the charts. Yes. In fact, some are saying we could actually get a magnetic pole flip.
1: I have heard that. And they say that what is now Antarctica used to be a tropical fertile ground before, and then we're getting ready to flip again. But again, this is this is just hearsay. But when it comes to CO2, I get a lot of people writing to me saying, oh, Mel, this you always talk about how CO2 is actually good for the flora. Well, folks, when you look at many greenhouses, and you may want to call the big ones... Displace a phone call. Ask them, by the way, do you have a machine that produces carbon dioxide inside of your greenhouse? And if so, why? And they'll tell you. Because it provides and it produces much, much more. The plants grow faster and healthier when they put greenhouse, I mean, uh, CO2 machines there. So if that's the case, then the opposite should be true of what the climate scientists are telling us, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I just read an article, I think it was yesterday or the day before, how they're actually discovering they're literally outly, outright lying with the data. There's a, And it's it's all political. That's, that's the problem. It's a political movement, again, to get more regulations and more uh, restrictions put in. And look, I've never said
1: we shouldn't take care of the environment. But first, if you compare the USA to other countries polluting, we're the last one. And I honestly think, Jeff, it's another problem, disaster, solution situation. First, destroy the environment using uh, okay geoengineering and weather manipulation technology. Then disaster capitalism kicks in and a permanent tax stays in place. That's my summary on climate change. Even as dozens of scientists, as you say, find human activity has virtually zero impact on climate change.
2: That's what a lot of them are saying. And I think the grand solar minimum is another huge contributor to why the uh, the climate is so erratic. And I hope we don't get an axis tip. I would say this (laughs) coming up. I don't. You know, it's hard to tell in astrology, and any psychic and astrologer has to concede predicting this stuff. I I never like the word predict. I always look at this as astronomy. It's really looking at energy. It's no different than physics looking at currents in a wire or atomic makeup, because that's really what it is. You're, You're looking at cycles and astronomical positions and cycles in ancient astrology in fact ancient astrology was called astronomy it wasn't even called astrology that's more of a modern innovation and uh, in fact some of the best stuff i have prior to like the 15th century was all called astronomy they never called it astrology that was a later innovation and uh, they took it right back to the flood of noah And uh, some of this stuff is very biblical, where um, clearly it was communicated, and they looked at this in terms of angelic interaction with the sphere of the earth. You know, I've been mentioning on on several other shows, and and I'd love to mention on yours, and that is, if you— Drop back and say, what is this three-dimensional reality? It's Any physicist will tell you it's all just balanced energy. If you take at the atomic level, even though it's an older model, uh, you have positive and negative forces, protons and electrons, right? Now, I know there's neutrinos and other things, but everything, everything in this universe that that we know, at least on the three-dimensional level, is made up of those energies those balanced energies well you take a human spirit and soul or an animal spirit and soul. that stuff is not subject to the same realms as the three-dimensional world so where am i going with all this i think that this dimension they actually say there could be 49 parallel u- universes and 49 sub-dimensions nestled within that, like a Russian babushka, doll, And I believe personally that's true. Uh, I think there are hierarchies that go on. And this reality seems to be a place where we come as souls to purify and rectify the soul. And we do that in the physical world's best from all the doctrine i can glean and that's what i love about ancient astrology and readings is you can actually see where your soul root comes from and moreover you can see the cycles that we're all in everyone on this planet will start out You know, as a a fetus, and we will have be a little child, and we will grow, we will mature, we will atrophy, and we will die. There's no question about it. But nobody dies, in my opinion. Nobody. In fact, the astrology, the ancient stuff, is really not looking at you as your astrology, but the indication of the journey of the soul, which I – even to the country, or you could say to the world – um, I, I love George Carlin's analogy. He says, "You know, the Earth is like a big dog, and we're the fleas. And if we piss it off too much, it's just going to shake, and we're going to fly in, in in the ethers." Right. So, <laughs> I'm more worried about human consciousness and the way we act towards one another than so much the, the planet. I think the planet is far more intelligent, uh, with the angelic forces maintaining it, than we'll ever be.
1: Question about the history of astronomy for for a moment and astrology. The ancient ones, as you say, they had a merger of astronomy and astrology, and they just called it astronomy. What caused the division? Because right now, some people see astronomy as science, and some people see astrology as pseudoscience.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it has divided. And it, it's a shame because um, I would say that the late 1600s is when it really started happening. It was the birth of, It really happened, I think, fully in the 1700s. It was the birth of the Industrial Revolution, and that relates to the astrology right now. That Saturn-Jupiter conjunction that happened in the 1700s ushered in not only, I mean Darwinism all came right after that, the 1800s, right? The Age of Reason, evolution, all this stuff, where human beings got far more interested in the material world than they did in the spiritual. Not that the material world wasn't, I think, a huge interest before, but the consciousness shifted. And that's a great thing you bring up because I think this winter solstice coming up, not the one we just had, the one December 21st of 2020, is going to usher in or bring... Begin to bring in a high-tech era, unlike we have never seen. And of course, nothing happens in a vacuum. Just like the industrial revolution, if you look back, steam was around for a long time before it got perfected. Same thing with mass, mass manufacturing, uh, electricity, electronics—all that had its evolution in communications. But just like now, I mean, you probably heard, Mel—they just teleported uh, through a quantum chip, two, yeah. two quantum chips, single light particles of light. They're actually teleporting stuff. Um, they just grew the first 3D heart. We're going to see flying cars, carbon fiber stuff coming in, uh, computer controlled things and artificial intelligence that is going to blow our minds. And I think the medical um, profession alone is going to become just exploding with things in technology that is really going to blow our minds. And, but on the flip side is what is this going to do? Is it going to cause further division between humanity's consciousness or awareness of this? Or are we going to become parallel to that and grow at the same time in quantum leaps as the technology? I certainly hope the latter. Um, And it's possible it could because we're moving into Uh, a conjunction that happens in what we call the tropical, uh, Aquarius or air sign. And it hasn't done that for 240 approximate years. So it, it has four lines in that sign, which is indicative of the four, if you will, fourth dimension, or you could even say the, the fourth way of, of, um, uh, the path. So we're not just using the physical world, we're really advancing in the psychic world as well. And I think we're going to see people's awareness grow as well.
1: You know, I don't know about you, Jeff, but back in the 1970s when I was a kid watching the jet Sense, I thought that by the end of the century, we would be flying, have, you know, have flying cars. But here we are in 2020. And we still have tin cans with better engines and technology, but the concept is still exactly the same. And honestly, what I think is is happening is that the control mechanism, God, G-O-D, gold, oil, and drugs, they have the subjugation of the masses. They have the technology. They have the flying cars. They have anti gravitic you know, an exotic propulsion in place. But it's not the same for their revenue stream.
2: It's got to become commercially feasible. And I think that's part of it. The other part is I think there's a, an awareness and also a need for that to start to happen now. I mean, when you look at how many people there are on the planet, and I, I think we're going to start to see that open up um, over the next probably 10 to 20 years. I, I think it's going to be the roaring 20s. I really do. This next decade is going to be quite astounding that's my opinion because um it's it's poised to happen it, again nothing happens quick everyone thought the automobile just appeared you know in the in the 20s no it didn't they were working on that in the late 1800s the internal combustion manufacturing all these things were were well in place even though henry ford gets the credit for the one who actually was successful at it there were a lot a lot of people doing this and uh, i i think it's the same thing right now there's a lot of people out there playing with energy they've known about it for a long time it's like when is it finally going to become commercially feasible i also think the financial structures have to support that i mean when you look at if you took oil away right now and you would destroy the economic structure of most of the states and the government's ability to bring in tax revenue. I mean, every time you go to the pump, a large portion of that, well, not a large, but a fairly good portion is going towards fuel taxes. And that pays for the roads, that pays for the infrastructure. So it's a huge generation of income for for society. And I think as things come in the future, we're going to see electricity, hydrogen, and other energies come through that are going to blow our minds. Electricity really has so much more torque than uh, any internal combustion motor, and uh, though I, I think this is the kind of stuff we're going to see is is the Saturn Jupiter conjunction at the end of this year is going to usher in a new era that's uh, going to take us. It's going to blow our hair back. That's what I think.
1: I know a gentleman with the name of Chris Payne, and he is the director and the producer of the movie Who Killed the Electric Car? And a lot of people Mm -hmm. think that electric car came along in the 80s or 90s. But folks, if I told you that the first electric car came out in 1890, and in 1895, consumers were already buying it, and the attention was there, and we're only told that it was Henry Ford who created their car, that yes, it had the hemp body which we should have today because it's very durable. But there were bikes, there were all sorts of electric vehicles at the beginning, at the end of the 19th century, at the beginning of the 20th. What happened to those? And then we have the cable cars in most urban cities. And where do we have them now? In a cemetery somewhere. Why? Because people like Goodyear and the tire industry took over. There's so much in our history Jeff, that's erased from us. And we're led to believe that Tesla, in people's mind, Tesla is the first electric car. But it's not true. You have to dig in and look outside the mainstream media to find all your answers
2: yeah i agree um i know tesla was reported to have had a car that did 100 and something miles an hour with an electric motor and he had a wire that stuck up anybody can do this experiment if you take a a wire and just crawl up on something you know like if you can get as high as 30 or 40 feet and hook a, a voltmeter lead to one end and then hook it to the other end you have a nice voltage it's quite a bit, actually, and the, the longer it is, the more you'll get. So there's all kinds of electricity everywhere around us, and it's it's up to the harnessing of this and, and putting – and magnetics, too. That's another thing. All kinds of electromagnetic things are around us that can be tapped. And many inventors have tapped it. There's a lot of people out there playing with free energy, um, constant motion machines. That uh, is pretty impressive. And I think we're going to start to see this stuff come through because the petrochemical industry – is is definitely going to go bye bye, but it's not going to go away completely. I think it's going to play a part in it as as the next fifty years comes by. It's going to be very interesting where we all end up. Fifty years from now, it's going to be astounding. You and I might not be around fifty years from now, but um, who knows? I hope we are.
1: When we think of electric cars, and I've had discussions with uh, Tesla owners, and they tell me, oh, mine is 200 miles. The new one, I think is 300 miles per charge, which is great, but they think they're really saving the environment. But when you're charging that vehicle, where do you think that electricity is coming from? Also, where right. do you think those batteries are coming from? They use cobalt and lithium And if you see the mines and how they're destroying the environment, and if you look at all those children in Africa who are being used to extract that from the earth, maybe, maybe electric cars may not be the solution. And I know my friend, Dr. Brooks Agnew, may not be liking me, you know, saying this. But what about the cars that run with water and the people who invented them all of a sudden disappeared or died mysteriously? There are many other ways. They don't have to be electricity or. "Quote unquote fossil fuel." To me, that's that's just BS. The fossil part, but you see what I mean. There's plenty of other technology out there that is very difficult to meter, or it's too cheap to produce, and they just don't want to let it out.
2: Yeah, hydrogen is really amazing. You, you can disseminate water yes. with just—I think it's a sixty-eight uh, splitting it current, right? Yeah. And and it's so flammable, you have to water it down. I actually rode up the five freeway. I went up the grapevine with a guy back in the 90s who had his 350 Chevy with a hollowed-out Sears diehard battery. I was also told I didn't ever follow this up, but there was a company in the 60s called Billings Energy Corporation who tried to introduce it into the automotive industry, and they had it perfected really well. And it got shut down immediately. And then they finally got it into a foreign car and it was being imported and then that got banned from being imported. So that was, again, the better part of 50 years ago. But now I think we're going to start to see these things come on the horizon. I hear the military has been using cracked water, which is another synonym for hydrogen in drones for a long time. In drones and they're in using also crack water in in their their Navy and the, the vessels in the, the vessel. I'll bet yeah yeah you got a little supply of water there don't you in the ocean so yeah it's it's there's so many ways it's going to be an exciting future the the thing I I'm again really excited about is if people become more aware of who we are in this whole world. I think that's the journey of life. And there's so many people having experiences here. I, I'm always blessed when I do readings to look into that because it it always amazes me at where people are at. Everyone is in their own heads and in their own space. I am too uh, where we're at. And it's interesting to see the cycles of growth that this I really say, forget Trinity Neo, and Morpheus, the, uh, the uh, astronomy of this matrix of this planet and the celestial influences really appear to be angelic forces working upon the soul. And uh, belief is not required. It, it really, and we have free will. A lot of people think astrology, oh, it's predicting the future. It's actually not at all. It's just showing cycles within the free will that we all have. And, um, you know, you take the world right now, look, look at what's happening. We have the Middle East, which has been a hot box for thousands of years. And it's still in the same place. And, this seems to be the theater where everything plays itself out.
1: By the way, before we go to the Middle East, let me just address this part for a second. The, what you said about uh, uh, the, the cracked the water and so on. I'm thinking of a video somebody sent me the other day of the Airbus A380. You know what that... By the way, I'm, I'm hearing some background. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing my voice uh, being repeated. Anyway, just FYI. But the A380 is the biggest commercial aircraft built and it carries 82,000 gallons of, of fuel. That's 684,000 pounds, folks. If you think in your That's mind, a lot of weight. 18 of the biggest elephants, nine on each wing, and I don't know how many coaches, buses, I mean, a dozen or more buses on top of those wings. And what the person concluded on that video was, it is impossible for that plane to be carrying so much, uh, gas, or kerosene, or whatever they use, in those wings, and I asked the question: So, what is your, what are you, what's your, what's the conspiracy here? Apparently, these planes, once they reach, as you know, an altitude of thirty some thousand feet, it becomes so the air becomes so thin that the engines are the ones working, and they only need the uh, the the gas. When they're taking off and landing, and because they charge a fifty percent of every airline ticket is based on fuel, they have to keep that as a top secret information, and they won't tell the the population. Have you researched that?
2: No, I have not. That's that's interesting. I've not heard about that. So they're they're saying once it, they get up there, the uh, the engines don't have to work as hard, right? Correct. Correct.
1: So that's why that when you travel stuff. from, say, Tucson to Dallas, it's very expensive for me. But when you travel from Tucson to New York, it's cheaper. They have ways to do that. But apparently it's because when they're up there in the upper atmosphere, not, not in the lower atmosphere, but above 30,000 feet with the, the airbane so thin that the engines work in a way with the new technology, they just, that's how they, they don't need the fuel to be burned. They just use the air that's coming in as the source of energy that moves it.
2: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I remember living in Tucson, uh, my son and I would be swimming in the pool and these military jets would come over us and they would be so fast, you would hear the sound and you'd look up, you couldn't see them. And then I would catch a speck going over the western horizon, and I'm like, there he is. And I asked a guy at a party once at Raytheon, I says, how in the heck are you guys going so fast and not Uh, doing the sonic booms, because I remember when I was a kid in the 60s, I I would hear sonic booms all the time. And I'm like, how are you guys going that fast? He says, we use plasma over the wings. Uh So we actually blow plasma over them and some type of gas as well, where they can hit those kinds of speeds and not do uh, sonic booms at the lower altitude.
1: So they told you that, because I've been told that the B-2 bomber, which by the way, it's more expensive than its own weight in gold, that it has plasma wow. above the wings and it allows them to just go at speeds unknown a mock i don't even want to tell you but yeah well so you were told that too
2: yep and i i hear they can get across this country in in literally like 15 minutes so obviously
1: the military what they say that they have 50 they're 50 years ahead of us it could be even more
2: don't you think Yep. This kind of stuff will start coming out. I think as the world changes that that's another thing I would expect too, is the monetary system. You and I have been talking about that for a long, long time. And you know, you, I'm sure you just heard that Iran is doing military exercises. In fact, it may be happening today or tomorrow with Russia and And China. China Yep, kind of just spitting in the face of the United States. And, um, it's interesting that that's all going on because I think it's about the money uh, underneath the whole uh, elements here. It is a war that is going on at a much different level um, with the, the finances. Uh, most bankers that I've spoken to on the lower level say, hey, it's, everything's great. You know, the money's flowing. The economy's great. But at the upper levels, uh, from the little bit I've heard – Cooperates And many people on the internet, I'm sure you know as well, Mel, is uh, we are hundreds, potentially hundreds of trillions of dollars in debt in the Western financial system. And Russia and China have been long eyeing a way to take the petrodollar down and – make it uh, not be the de facto standard anymore, and they want to implement their own banking systems. China's out for world domination. They really, really are. And I think these trade deals are just the beginning of an entire policy change that we've never seen before with the U.S. versus China. And uh, I'm glad that that's happening because uh, they are definitely out to dominate. I, I can tell you that. And our military is so superior to it I, I've been hearing from people and you can actually find it on the internet if you took Russia's military uh, and China's military together it wouldn't equal what we've got built up in this country right now, which is astounding I mean it's it's pretty astounding they they uh, we have I think a dozen nuclear class um, aircraft carriers that are gargantuan and they they have literally two nuclear reactors in each one of them which is probably for particle beams and all kinds of other things and um I think the only one in this world that has a nuclear submarine so far is France, and it's half the size of any of the US uh, aircraft carriers. China has a bunch they're building, but I don't know if they're nuclear, but I know the one they have now is simply diesel and gas. I mean, it's antiquated compared to everything. So there's there's clearly a financial reason we have built up like we have, and um, I hope that isn't a part of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction kicking anything off like that. I I don't think anybody would win if it happened.
1: Let me just say this: that we have we have a lot of people who listen to us in China. We also have people in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, and in Southeast Asia who listen to us all the time. And sometimes they tell me that when I discuss China, they can access that interview. And years ago, twenty eleven, I think it was, I had to call the consulate in Los Angeles. And the embassy in New York, I'm sorry, in Washington, D.C., asking the consulate or the assistant as to why we were being censored, because i showed on the map. People were trying, you know, you you know that website, uh, is it down or is it me? And people in China were saying, no, you are down here. And uh, all of a sudden, the next day, the website was up. But we have been discussing a lot about China. I don't like to talk about that that much, but it's becoming to me, it's evident. And I'm not going to talk about it now. I'm going to wait until segment two to discuss more of China and what I think is happening there. And it's happening here in the United States. And it's happening in California. And I'm not going to name names right now. I'm going to wait until later because this is what gets us censored. But about the possibility of war. I mean, Trump wants peace. And I'm glad that every time that the rhinos and the Democrats have tried to to put a a, a tripwire he has responded in a way that fools them, and it happened last year with Iran, and that uh, the drone. But right now, with this supposed Benghazi 2.0, you follow me so far? What's happening in the embassy in Iraq? I just found out yesterday that an Iraqi official, an Iranian ally, was spotted outside Baghdad's embassy, and the attack. And he visited Obama, and the White House in twenty eleven. I've been saying this all along, folks. Operation Gladio is alive and kicking. If you don't know what that is, just do a research in our Google bar inside of our website. Put Gladio, and you'll see an interview that I did with the author of that book. He explains exactly what it is and what would happen in the event of war. In this case, it's not war. It's that they thought they were going to win the election. They lost it. And obviously, they have to leave a lot of people behind in the judicial In the even in the executive, they left some people behind, and obviously, all of intelligence, CIA, FBI, a lot of judges, those are people left behind. And what you're seeing in the Baghdad embassy right now, in my opinion, they're trying to tempt Trump to get into Iran, back again to Iraq, Yemen, and Syria. Have you heard that?
2: I have, and and you know, I don't know, and Lebanon, too, by the way, Lebanon, what's that?
1: Lebanon too. That will be the first one I'm told.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, the uh, I can tell you this: the cycles in astrology. If something was going to be implemented, it's likely to be triggered by this conjunction coming up this year, uh, and it's it's quite interesting because when these this is a very very powerful conjunction to have not only Saturn and Pluto but also Mercury and the sun all together. That's a very powerful conjunction. And it's likely to kick off something. Whether or not it makes the mainstream media, I hope it doesn't. Um, but uh, I can tell you, these are powerful energies. Everyone I speak to feels it. You can just feel the heavy foreboding energy right now. You can't, can't you feel it?
1: I can. I just try to ignore it. I just try to be positive and be grateful every single day and there just analyze go. what I'm seeing around me. Because if you start playing that game and getting on that wavelength things get worse
2: they do and and it's I, I think we're going to get through it I think we'll, we'll whatever happens and hopefully nothing um, I get that it's going to be quelled it's not going to be as quite as severe um, I, I, I again I've said this before in your show I'm a real firm believer that this planet is very divinely protected and as We advance in technology. You can call them aliens. You can call them angels. Uh, I kind of believe in the possibility of the latter the forces that are, are keeping it from happening. I, I've heard guys in the military saying, Hey, you know, we see light orbs around things and afterwards we're going to replace circuit boards. You know, the, um, there was a, a book written called Left at Eastgate where they had all these NATO uh, nuclear military missiles over there. And right after these craft came down, they were hauling them away everything didn't work. So it's really interesting because there is, a, I think if humans were left up to their own resources, we may not be around too long with all the firepower we've got out there. And let's let's hope that uh, that is the case. That's my personal belief.
1: A couple of weeks ago, I included in segment three, a bonus segment, a audiobook and a link to the book that shows you, it's an individual who did a lot of research and found out that We are the sixth incarnation in this planet that we have wiped out ourselves time and time again. And apparently we develop ourselves more technologically than spiritually, and it happens. The cycles are repeated all the time.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I I personally don't think anyone dies anyhow. Um, I've been studying some really fascinating doctrines, both in the Vedantic Um, Some of these are rabbinical texts, and they go back. uh, One in particular I really like a lot is the uh, Cairo Genzia documents. They were discovered, I think, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, and nobody paid much attention to them. And now they've been really glossed over by some, and they're being reexamined. And I have been looking into many of the paranormal aspects of who we are as souls having a physical experience. And what I find is the ancient Vedic astrology and the Egyptian astrology is all about that. It's all about we keep reincarnating here um, until we – either purify the soul and rejoin it with the upper levels of the soul. And there's been many theories about that in many different religions and spiritual philosophies. But um, the the texts actually break it down specifically into your psyche, the spirit, and then the lower portion of the soul. And then there's two other portions above that. And I think what's fascinating is we appear to incarnate – with our parents, in the mother, in the womb, at the time that is necessary for the soul to have its experience. So astrology isn't us. Like people in modern astrology run around and say, "Oh, you know, you're a you're a Pisces, you're an Aries, or whatever they say." And I always call that love light and cluelessness because I think it it, it could be nothing could be further from the truth. We. We are literally souls having a physical experience. In the time we came in, it actually talks about a celestial court of angelic forces that actually join. You can call them guardian angels, if you will, that actually join the soul to the embryo at conception, which is really interesting stuff. And then the soul is actually tied into the body at first breath. Um, I I just lost a couple of really good friends. Um, They were pretty young, too. They're in their 60s. And they both died in really good ways, like they just went to sleep or the other one was raking leaves and they found them in the woods laying on his back, you know, no cancer, no long arduous medical procedures. And it's fascinating. These primary directions in astrology actually showed they were in that window to have that happen. So it's, it's kind of like the time is not written in stone, but it certainly is indicated when we have these challenging times. Do you believe that that, each
1: individual has a set date? Some people like Dolores Cannon used to say that we have a a contract, a sole contract, and we come here to learn a lesson. But I remember getting to not a heated uh, discussion, but I did tell her I could not understand how Somebody wants to be a child and be raped and murdered or be sacrificed into a pedophile ring. How do you come out and say, My soul contract, I want to do that as an experience?
2: Well, now you're bringing up some really interesting stuff. Um, There's a text called the Share HaGilgum, which in Aramaic and Hebrew, Akshar or Share means gate or gates, and HaGilgum means the cycling of the souls. And there seems to be, a intertwinement of demonic, or you could say uh, forces that happen to all souls. And we're here purifying that element out of us. And there are some people see, that's the whole, that's why I like the old stuff because we do have free will. That's the one thing we absolutely have is free will. You take one person who incarnates with a certain set of energies Their free will makes them evil or good. It's their choice. It's what they decide to do. These people get involved in this very evil stuff and do horrible things to other people. I mean, that's their karma. And now you have the law of these actions. They're, They're actually called elementals that actually stay with the spirit and the soul as it reincarnates. And they're kind of almost like um, a capacitor, if you will, or an energy that is encapsulated in the soul. I call it the karmic gunny sack, and it releases as times and cycles come through. So, you know, back to these horrible things that happen to people, sometimes they may be just victim of circumstances, and it's the karma of the other person that is Being uh, sowed as they do it. That's a very complex thing. And I don't claim to fully understand it. No one I know has ever fully explained it. But I can tell you the celestial, uh, the moon is is a very interesting little satellite. Um, There has been many who've said that there is portals that the souls pass in and through the moon. Um, Some say it's physical. Some say it's spiritual. Uh, I can certainly say this in Vedantic astrology, the moon sure seems to be a satellite that uh, is very important to the path of the soul. And there's many mysteries about the moon. Some people say it's hollow. Some people say it's a satellite that was brought here. I personally, and you mentioned earlier uh, how – We may have destroyed – I think the planet in between – or the asteroid belt in between Jupiter and Mars may have been another planet. And this whole standing wave pattern in the solar system may have moved. And in fact, there's many scientists who are saying Venus wasn't where it is now. And it's a heat sink for the Earth. If it wasn't there, we would boil up. And so it's very mysterious how this solar system may have actually been rearranged and could rearrange again. and I, 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 People often say, well, geez, when do you think that? I, I can't call it. No one can. But I would think the procession of the equinox into the Aquarian Age is going to uh, parallel some cataclysmic event. And that would be about 200 and something years from now. When are we
1: expecting to enter the Aquarian Age?
2: Right about then. I think it's pretty close to where no one really knows. I, I've looked at that for years. They're they're known as the yugas in Vedic astrology. And of course, it's the procession of the equinoxes which is our solar system going around the central sun and science has corroborated. That's absolutely true. We seem to be doing just under a half of a billion miles per hour. And, um, so fast that the planets spiral behind it in orbit and so they've got that one down but there's no marker points out there that say oh here's aquarius you know you're you're now entering the age of aquarius you know it's not there so just like there's a lunar zodiac surrounding the earth in the vedantic and also the western astrology as well in in ancient egyptian astrology and greek and Again, I always joke around You know, to the astronomers, you're never going to see that zodiac either. If you polish the lenses on your telescopes until they wear out, you're not going to see it. It's a spiritual construct. Then this is where you start getting into the older astrology, actually gets into angelic times. Each of the planets represent literally... Uh, their positions at the time of birth—you can actually get the name of your guardian angel from it, which is pretty wild stuff. Can't make this stuff up. And the the texts I was speaking about earlier, particularly the Shariah yeah. Gogam, uh, well, the Zohar is another one that has it. Uh, some of the Vedantic texts are murky, the Upanishads, but uh, there's nothing like some of these more ancient documents. And here's what's interesting. You talk about karma. These people may escape human's court when they do horrible things, but it appears that there are angelic forces that literally beat the soul when it, it – Exits the body not so much for punishment, but it's more to cleanse it from the evil entities that have intertwined in the fabric of the soul. And remember, this isn't on the three-dimensional plane. We're, we're dealing here with things science has yet to fully even comprehend, let alone understand. Um, and, and that is… The essence of consciousness and the soul that we take with us, that's truly what we take with us. Uh, We certainly don't take anything else. And these karmas apparently are really um, a big deal. Uh, there's may, there's a, the lower astral worlds. They say that, again, there's 49 dimensions and 49 sub-dimensions within them. And these are the so-called hells and heavens that many NDE people talk about, you know, the near-death experiencers. And I, I really – have seen myself and just my limited ability to astral project and such and, and do clearings, this stuff is very real and it's, it's very dangerous places to play and it makes one want to be good <laughs> because you you may escape humans laws and someone listening to me may say, Oh, that's a bunch of crap. How does he know? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you my opinion is based on all things I can see why would someone incarnate in deplorable conditions or in conditions that are so horrible? I have actually seen clients who've said to me, you know, uh, God, why, why did this happen to me? I'm going to happen right here during this window. And they're like, oh, yeah, how did you know? Well, because that's the time phase that the Vedic astrology actually showed. I'm talking satanic ritual stuff that was too hideous to mention on your program. Um, and yet it showed up uh you know you can't make this stuff up so we're living in a a really divine matrix of free will and experience but it does have consequence and it appears that consciousness is the regulator you know there there are people who actually can get punished in inanimate objects and animals they say there's some of them that will dwell and they'll take. See, spirit is so much different than than the world we live in. They can actually have to escape into other living beings from what they're they're being pursued by on the astral planes. This stuff sounds bizarre, and I thought it was too when I first heard it. But uh, I I actually believe there's a lot of truth to it.
1: I no longer ignore information, regardless of how outrageous it sounds. But we have to close this segment. But let me just say this before we go on, because we have so much more to discuss in part two. I want to discuss the talk about UFO disclosure, the space force that just came along, the grand solar minimum. I want to talk more about that, Uh, more analysis on the political arena that's happening this year. But a lot of people write to me sometimes saying that I'm anti-religious and I'm not. Folks, I believe in God. I'm never, some people say, I'm an atheist. I'm not. I don't know where people get all these stuff uh, all the time. Or either I'm a liberal or I'm a conservative. I'm not. I'm myself. I go with the candidate that I see who's best I voted for every party. But when it comes to the age of bull, the bull, the age of the ram, the age of Pisces, I mean we had the Egyptians, and then we have Moses with the ram, then we have Jesus with the the, the fish, and what comes next. And many people talk about how Jesus Christ was born December 25th, but that's not true. And I know this is going to hurt some of your feelings, folks, because sometimes your beliefs are more powerful than the facts I'm trying to present to you. But if you look at theology, and you look at the Last Supper, take a look at Jesus. In the back, you have the Son, and in the front, you have the 12 apostles clustered in threes, which is each season. Could they be telling us with the bull, the ram, the, the, the fish, Jesus, that in reality, we are worshiping the sun? I want to discuss this when we come back. December 21st is the winter solstice. The sun stays in the same place for three days. And on the third day, when they say Jesus rose in the third day, well, the sun comes back to the new rotation, coming from the Capricorn all the way to Cancer, and then the summer solstice comes along and it goes back from cancer to Capricorn. And this happens every twenty six thousand years. That's a full cycle, but every twenty one hundred years. I like to discuss this more, Jeff, because there's a lot of doubt out there. I want people to understand that I'm not trying to just bring hocus pocus. I want to bring facts to the table.
2: But how can people yeah, it's all- Yes, how can people learn more about your services, Jeff? No, the best way is go to Jeff at jeffharmon dot com, h a r m a n dot com, Jeff at jeffharmon dot com, and you're going to be busy because of the beginning of the
1: year is when a lot of people want answers. Correct?
2: Yeah, and this is a really dynamic year. You know, this this Saturn Pluto conjunction is happening to all of us in different places in our in our chart this is a really dynamic time I think it's actually a really positive time for growth the hard times are often the times when we really grow and by the way the age, the, of dynamic.
3: Aquarius,
1: the, the age of Aquarius begins when the March equinox points a point moves out of the constellation Pisces and into the constellation Aquarius but there's no definitive answer as to when that will be but much more when we come back and this is Malfabraga's and you're listening to Veritas on this very first
3: installment of the decade. Welcome again to 2020. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, And even cryptocurrency we are now accepting bitcoin litecoin and ethereum don't forget to visit the veritas store for focus life force energy mms cbd pure hemp oil divinia water pure organic sulfur flash drives with all our sanitas and veritas seasons and other great products and if you're listening on youtube like subscribe and share it and click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available now Proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.